0: Welcome to Bear Books Podcast. I'm Daisy Ray.
1: And I'm April Berry. This is the podcast that introduces indie authors to their readers.
0: Together we're looking for our next favourite author.
1: Well then Daisy, we're back now for uh, season two.
0: Hello! so excited I could spit.
1: We've got some cracking books coming up. We spent some time in the break between the seasons going through the books that we were going to read and we've come up with what we believe are eight fantastic offerings and our first book controversial
0: it is a little bit controversial because today we are interviewing and getting to know damien linane in late 2015 he was sentenced for a crime the sentencing magistrate described as vigilante justice someone close to him was sexually assaulted and he firebombed her attacker's house Now, while he was in prison, he wrote a crime thriller novel, Scarred. He wrote it by hand. Who knows how difficult that was? It does contain violence. And if he'd been caught writing it, it would have been considered contraband and it would have been taken off him. So had that been the case, we wouldn't be here today.
1: I'm looking forward to, uh, to interviewing Damien, actually. There's bits of the book that I found quite disturbing.
0: Disturbing how? without giving too much away without
1: giving too much away howard Ugh. where does where does somebody get in their imagination i i've i've got a question you always sort of think about you should be writing about what you know i'm really really hoping that Damian lane knows nothing about any of this
0: not sure about that well to some degree but not at these levels i am sure
1: i'm hoping that this is all research i mean i know that one of the questions that we've got for him is about the, the vigilante character in the book, Jason Ennis. There's
0: a so, lot of Damien in Jason and Jason in Damien.
1: Yeah. And, and that's just from sort of stuff that we've read and yeah. stuff and the, and the book that we've read. The book, as we've said, is quite controversial, but it's a lot of swearing in it. Is that actually really necessary? I don't think in places it adds to the story.
0: I don't know about it adding to the story. I think the people that is writing about do swear like that. I mean, I work in a warehouse. It goes with the territory. Some people are just natural swearers. And what they'll do is they use it like punctuation. It's at the end of every sentence, in the middle of every sentence. It's not just punctuation. It's to emphasize a point. It's to express feelings of any description, and they do. Sometimes there are more swear words than other words in some sentences, and there are people that talk like that, and I think the circles he's writing about, I think it's, it's in keeping, because not every character swears at that level. Not every character is effing and blinding through their part in the book.
1: No, I suppose, I suppose you're right about that. I, th- I think I'm thinking about one particular line in the book, yeah. Um. where the detective is talking about something and he just puts the F word in front of house. And it's like, that's actually not necessary. It wasn't necessary for me that. And that, that really stood out for me.
0: Yeah. Do you think it was in character though? Or do you think not? Just because know, somebody really. else would use a swear word where you wouldn't use one doesn't make the swear word misplaced. It just means it's somewhere you wouldn't put
1: it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can swear with the best of them. Let's put it, you know, let's be honest. But Yeah, let's, I just, let's, yeah that's true. I just think it was sort of reading it, Reading it it was, it, it just, that, that was the one, one bit that, that actually leapt out at me. But um, anyway, let's find out what Damien's got to say, shall we?
0: Oh, yes, please.
1: Well, hello and welcome, Damien. And we'd love to start by hearing about you personally. So sort of maybe some of that fascinating backstory of yours, and I'm sure you've got loads of stories to tell.
2: Yeah, so um Damien, I'm 34, I've uh, just finished a master's degree, um, working as an archivist at the moment. Here today, is talking about my novel, um, Scarred, I wrote it over a five-month period while I was in prison for 10 months, so uh, yeah, I wrote it by hand. I was arrested when I was 29 for a crime, the sentencing magistrate described as vigilante justice. It came out late last year and I had a bit of a book tour lined up for this year, which got cancelled thanks to COVID. So now I've been approaching podcasters and online events and stuff. And uh, here I am today.
0: I have read the whole book, cover to cover. The first thing that struck me was how much I was taken with Jason's morbid fascination with bodies, how they fall when they die, where the bullets go inside the body, whether it ricochets off a piece of bone and goes in some totally random (laughs) direction. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much for that. But what I would like to know, is that ad-libbed, is that research or is that your personal fascination?
2: Oh, yeah, what I was going with that is that was like my way of, introducing you know um best way of writing is show don't tell and i didn't want to say you know jason's desensitized to violence i wanted to show he was desensitized by um how he reacts when um he kills the uh the first victim that you see in the novel and um, that was the research about how the bullets ricochet around. That was um, actually more things that I'd learnt because I was in the army for um, about, uh, just over five years. Yeah, drawn a bit from just personal lo- knowledge and I just wanted to use that knowledge to kind of flesh out the character a bit. I mean, I am the kind of person who has always been interested in in, um, in true crime and things that a lot of people might find a little bit morbid. Yeah, I was, that was mostly my way of just conveying to the reader what kind of... I wanted to really shock them at the end of the character at the end of that chapter by um, showing like how exactly how desensitized this
1: person is to violence. So what was the catalyst then Damien that made you pick up the pen to write?
2: Yeah so that was um, definitely prison but um, what happened to me when I first went in there because um, I would I'd had this idea to write, um, oh, it was, I had this idea for a story rather in my head since I was 17 and um, you know I used every excuse to to not do it. But then, then I went into the prison system and I had a mandi- mandatory appointment with the prison psychologist and she said something to me, which still kind of haunts me a bit to this day. And I, I said to her, I'm like, oh, you know, before I got arrested, I actually realized I had a, I had some issues and I got therapy and I, I think it'd be really beneficial um, if I continued that therapy in there because I was really making some good progress. And, and she said to me, um, Damien, everyone would benefit from therapy in here, but there's no funding for it and that was um, the first shock I got in prison and the, the second one I got was um, being told that not only was I not required to complete any rehabilitation, I wasn't even eligible to do any because I'd been assessed as a low to medium risk of reoffending, whereas you had to be assessed as medium high to be eligible for rehabilitation and, and then I found out I couldn't study because I, originally I was like, okay, I'm probably going to jail. I didn't know I was definitely going in when I went for sentencing. And I was like, all right, I've, I've just finished an undergraduate degree. I'll, I'll make the most of the time and I'll do a master's. And um, yeah, in New South Wales, there's no there's no um, personal computer time at use for inmates, which meant I couldn't study. So about a week in, I, I found out that I couldn't get any therapy, couldn't get any rehabilitation, and I also um, couldn't study, um, pursue tertiary education. And that... Sent me into a bit of a like a depressed funk, and I, I was like, people asked me if I was scared to go into prison, and, and to be honest, I, I, I wasn't. I was, I figured it wouldn't be harder than the army, and, and in terms of like you know, um, dealing with with violence and restrictions, it wasn't. But um, um, yeah, yeah about a weekend, I found out that I couldn't do anything constructive, and I started to freak out a bit, and I'm like, well, well, how am I going to get past this? And all I had was um, three pieces of paper and a pen and I, I was like, all right, well, partially out of boredom, I'm going to write down that idea for a story I've had in my mind for years. And in my mind, it was actually the opening scene of a film, but, you know, I couldn't direct a film in there. So I, <laughs> I wrote it down instead and um, and then I finished it and I was like, all right, um, all right, well, what does... that's that's the chapter one that you read. It hasn't changed much since the first draft. And I'm like, okay, well, what happens next? And I just... I basically kept writing. I couldn't write straight away because I'd run out of paper. But, um, yeah, that was definitely the catalyst was um, I couldn't do anything else constructive in prison, and I, and I wanted to make the most of the time in there.
0: Jason and Damien, one is the other and vice versa, really. There is a lot of you in Jason and there is a lot of Jason in you from writing in prison to art mm. to studying to... There's just so much how far does that go
2: it's actually kind of funny how sometimes like life imitates art because um, I, I decided to uh, when i created like the character of jason i i um i realized that he was parts of him were definitely based on me but i wanted some things to be very different and so i i gave him the hobby of photorealistic drawing which is something i'd never done at that point point. and then after i finished my novel five months in i was like well what the hell am i going to do now I don't have any other ideas for books and um, a friend of mine encouraged me to draw. And, and, and five months later I was, you know, I'd been doing photorealistic realistic portraits for <laughs> the rest of the, uh, rest of the prison, like uh, people were paying me for it. So that was a kind of funny, you know, um, life imitates art kind of thing. But um, yeah, from the get go, I, um, I definitely knew I was kind of using myself as a template and exaggerating myself. Um, For example, like I've um, been diagnosed with with PTSD and um, general anxiety disorder and most of that's largely linked to my father who was physically violent. He never did anything to me that, you know, would have been anywhere near hospitalisation, but like, you know, he was was quite violent and... um, I'm very aware now of how much that's affected my upbringing. And so I've ended up with with PTSD largely because of that. And um, so I knew from experience, like what happened to me and how far that pushed me as a human being. And I guess what I was doing with Jason was I was just taking myself as a base template and I was like, how far can I push this person? So I know what happened to me. My partner hit me. What if Jason's father actually tortures him? What if he, he burns him, he cuts him, he does these completely heinous crimes. And I'm like, what happened to me and how far like it pushed me? Like, let's see how far I can push Jason. And basically, I guess what I was gonna trying to do was was kind of playing with it a bit, how far can I push a human being before I completely push him over the edge? And um yeah I was just yeah basically using myself as a template and rolling with it and exaggerating my story and and seeing how far it went and um yeah so it's there's definitely some some you know, obvious parallels there but um yeah Jason's definitely a very big exaggeration of myself and um uh but in part of part of it is actually seeing like. Like, what could have been, like, um, if, if I had been so much worse, I, I just wanted to see how my life could have maybe ended up, yeah, how far can I push this person and, and see how his life ends up, and, and, you know, people ask me if I plotted out the book in advance, and, and I didn't, I, um, I wrote chapter one, and then I just, I just, all right, what happens next, and I kept writing, and um, yeah, at no point did I know. What was going to happen No uh, more than three chapters in advance I just assumed because of the kind of person Jason is that the book was going to end one way and I don't really want to say that because it'll give it away to anyone who hasn't read it but um yeah the, the ending really took me by surprise I um and where the where it ended up you
0: know. I just say from a personal point of view having read it all I mm. quite like the ending I think it's suitable I think it yes. works really really well for Jason yeah.
2: I, yeah, I only figured that ending out about three chapters before it for it um, happened, and um, it's the thing I like most about the book. There's nothing in the book that I could change. There's a couple of things that I um that I, I don't like so much. Like I wish I could have found a better way to 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 um bring like characters together and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I'm the ending is definitely my favorite part of the book. Really impressed with, with myself and how I came up with that. Really, because uh, yeah,
1: um, yeah, didn't see it coming at all. In your writing, Damien, you use responsibility sort of quite regularly, especially in regard to, to Jason's actions. Um, and, and the other thing about the constant state of readiness to be able to move on a moment's notice with no homely possessions was kind of thought provoking. And taking you back to something you were saying earlier about the fact that in three days time you were going to be homeless. That I can see that the sort of mirroring there of possibly your feelings. You know, is there a, a deep-seated subconscious need for stability that you wrote into Jason's character? That maybe he's not actually ready to admit. So, I mean, Jason was an exaggeration myself in a few ways, and and I'm, I've
2: have been a minim- minimalist all my life, not to the extent Jason is, but um, and that was because um, when I was thirteen, I ran away from my father's home because I was sick of him assaulting me, and I, I found my mother and. And I lived with her, but her life with her was very unstable. And I go into that in my memoir a lot. But basically, we moved every six months. Oh, yeah, so that was, like, Jason's need to um, not have a lot of possessions in, just in case. Um, something that I, uh, like, you know, the best things you can describe are things you've experienced yourself, I guess. And um, so that was drawn from a personal experience, but just exaggerated to the next level. But um, as you mentioned, like, um, your email, like, uh, Jason has been stable for eight years, but he still hasn't moved past that paranoia in his head and he still can't get over it. And I guess what I was playing at was that was just showing how far this this guy's childhood's affected him. And even though he's been living in stable accommodation for the last eight years, he still can't get his head out of his childhood, which uh, was something, a problem I had, uh, which kind of led to my crime, even like, um, yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't over things that had happened in my childhood. And there was, a, there was definitely... I find like the best books have a lot of you know, personal reflection in them. Like, what are you really trying to say? And um, yeah, so that was something
1: I I definitely drew from. Yeah, that is something that I've heard a lot is that if you write about what you know, it's believable and it's plausible.
2: Yeah, so I, I get a lot of good feedback from the character Jason. Like, I've never had any bad feedback about him. Like um, uh, the feedback from the novel has been um good in itself. Like uh, occasionally I get some like very minor criticism, like, um, like my second serial killer who I just like fabricated, like, um, people say I didn't describe him as well. And that's what was was partially because, well, I, well, I know Jason, I know, I know what it's like to have undiagnosed autism, which he does. I know what it's like to have PTSD as a child, which, which he does. I know what it's like to feel unstable and, and, and be hypervigilant because you're on lookout, um, because so many think bad things have happened to you. I think I did a decent job of describing the second killer, but um, yeah, I don't know what it's like to see the, the world from his point of view, which is a good thing because he's a complete, you know, <laughs> a pedophile and psychopath. But um, yeah, uh, that was—it um, was definitely easy to write about Jason. It was actually difficult to um, put myself in the mind frame of my other killer because I'm like, uh, it was actually yeah quite challenging because I'm like, what motivates a man to think like this, and I had to sit down and really think about it, and yeah, that was. I I think um, it comes across well, but uh, yeah, it was definitely quite challenging.
1: Howard's character. And I know you alluded earlier on to you got no idea about how somebody like that would think. Did you base Howard's character on somebody that you met in prison or or where did you get that character from?
2: Um, yeah. So people, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, people often ask me like, did you plan your book out? Like, did you map the whole thing out? And I'm like, no, not even a little bit. And the the book flowed almost perfectly. And I only got stuck once. I kind of, um, I got up to what was like originally about chapter 12. And then I was, I sat down, I'm like, I'm like, this book isn't going anywhere. Um, Jason keeps killing people and, but the plot doesn't thicken or anything. And I, I I'd kind of written myself in a corner. I'm like I don't know how to go forward with this. And I and it was the only two weeks in that first five months in prison that I didn't do any writing. And I was kind of stuck. And then it actually came to me in a dream. Like um I needed an antagonist for Jason to work towards, and someone that he would eventually um try and confront. And what's Jason's like unresolved issues about? And like um, or some of it rather is is that he was um sexually assaulted as a child. I'm like all right. Well, the appropriate person to um to go after would be someone who, who um, yeah, does horrible things to children. And I'm like, okay, well, um, that's the, that's the stock template for my character. And, um, yeah, how can I flesh him out? And it was, um, it was difficult at first. If, if anyone found the first draft of my, no- of my novel, I, I'd be horrified because it's, um, it's probably a uh, terrible by comparison to the finished piece. But, um, yeah. And Howard's character got kind of got fleshed out as the drafts continued because, um, you know, it's like, I'm like, what what motivates a person to, to do something horrible to children? Like, I, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that, and but I uh, and I kind of like just tried to think about okay, um, what could be a personal motivation for that? And, um, I think I ended up doing a good job of it. Um, I like how Jason and Howard have similar upbringings and they've just gone completely different ways, like, Jason's, um, goes the retribution path he wants to um make the world a better place uh because of what happened to him whereas howard go, goes for path b which is um uh turns into a um or they both turn into abuses of sorts but he goes down the same path of turning to the kind of abuse that he suffered or, or similar to it that was kind of important to me because I, I wanted to to show the reader like okay here's how two people can react differently to the um to the to the same kind of thing happen to them and it was, yeah what well, was a bit different difficult to write about especially because you know to, just to put your mind in that headspace of like um let's write a chapter from the point of view of someone who wants to hurt a child and um and uh, yeah that, that was um one of the more challenging parts of the book but um I'm I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out.
0: it was. Instantly dislikable. <laughs> <The laughs> most awful character. The, when it, oh, I can't really say a lot about the things that he did that enraged me because I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's not read it yet. When the police went to the wrong house, I was enraged. I was beside myself. <laughs> I was so fully engaged. I was on turbocharged. Come on. Uh, you're
2: I really, up against I really, time. I really liked that. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming at all. Like there were certain things like, yeah, you know, I figured out how the book ended. Yeah, like three chapters before, but that would, that like um, I sometimes I feel like the book didn't I didn't write the book like uh the book wrote itself. I just I just I was just holding the pen and it was just flowing out and yeah that that just fit so naturally and um I was I was writing I'm like oh oh, oh my god this this is great this is great like I I just um yeah thinking about it as I'm writing and yeah sometimes I'd be daydreaming all day. I, I was that my job was rather main, mundane. I was um. I was a clerk in prison. I processed all the other inmates' pay. I used that term really loosely depending on what we did. We got paid between a dollar and eight $2.20 an hour. Yeah, I'd be there and I'd be kind of daydreaming about how the next chapter would go. And then sometimes it would go the way I planned. And then other times I'd just start writing. I'm like, oh, no, no, it, it's going this way instead. And um, I really like how the, the pace of the novel um, improves, uh, uh, gets faster.
1: You use a, a kind of sort of concept, Damien, in the book, strength to commit murder. Is that a personal belief or, you know, part of the plot is, what are your thoughts, your thoughts on somebody that's actually able to commit murder and carry it through to the ultimate?
2: Um, well, I suppose it is a bit of personal belief, but when I say that, I want to convey, um, make sure that, um, I'm not saying that's a, um, a positive thing. Um, I remember, like, um, years ago, like, one of my favourite talk shows was uh, Politically Incorrect by Bill Maher, and um, the the uh, catalyst for that show actually being cancelled was, um, Bill Maher had a guest on who, um, they were talking about the September 11, 11 tax, and um, George Bush had described them as cowardly, and as the, um, Bill Maher and his talk show, uh, and his guest on the show mentioned, you know, it, it wasn't cowardly, it was horrible, it was heinous, it was evil, but, you know, it... It, it, i'd say you know as they said themselves and as commentators were saying in general like it takes a certain amount of courage to hijack an airplane not that that's a good thing on any level whatsoever but um and i guess i was kind of um, i going for the same thing like um you know you, you hear all the time like oh a cowardly murder a cowardly ban like um i don't think that's the right word to describe a murder like the average murder like um i'd argue you'd requires a certain amount of resolve it also requires lack of empathy like um and callousness and and all kinds of negative attributes also takes a lot of courage and, and 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 strength to uh put yourself in a mind frame to do that people probably perceive jason as being you know rigid and um and and stubborn and unable to to empathize but he sees himself as strong which he is in a sense, but um, yeah, that's not necessarily a positive thing. But uh, yeah, he, he sees himself as, as one of the few people who's strong enough to stand up. Uh, something that's drawn from my, my, my book actually is like at one point, Jason um, sees this pedophile who's reporting for bail. And uh, that was actually um, something I, that uh, uh, when I was reporting for bail myself, waiting for sentencing, there was, um, it was all in the newspaper. There was this guy who'd been arrested for molesting children. And when I was going to report for bail, he was standing in front of me and there was, he was this person and I was just, that was, um yeah, I had to take some deep breaths. Like I wanted to, um, I wanted to punch him in the back of the head in the queue at the police station. And uh, I'm pretty sure the police wouldn't have, uh, obviously they would have arrested me, but they, they probably wouldn't have yeah. uh, like, uh, like off the record. Um, we, we, we approve. And um so you, you hear a lot of people like um the general consensus in society is that, you know, that would be acceptable behavior, but even though, that's perceived as acceptable by the average person few people would actually do it and um, and Jason sees himself as stronger than all these other people and um, in reality he's the, the, the truth of the matter is like he does have an amount of strength desensitization but um what he also has is not a lot to lose you know the average person doesn't want to be thrown in prison and separated from his family whereas Jason doesn't realize that, that that's something that motivates him is that he yeah what does he have to lose he's that life isn't going very well for him he's it's always been a struggle and um yeah he doesn't um have a lot of you know high thoughts for the future or or value um his freedom as much as as the average person would
0: yeah i do get that jason has like a a quiet strength he doesn't Mm. say an awful lot but he, he. is very internalised about his beliefs and everything. And this is what I took from the story. Jason's character is clearly a dangerous man, but it does have like this crystal clear, painful path back in time to the root of most of his issues. And unfortunately, it's one that a lot of people can relate to. Um, (laughs) And it made me want to like Jason. Did you write Jason to be likeable? Maybe... Exploring your own character and pushing the limits further than one would normally, maybe. I, I
2: do like parts of him. I, I also feel very sorry for them. Like, um, like I, I had someone tell me, like, I, I just want to be Jason's friend, and I'm like, I, I want to be, um, yeah, Jason's friend. I want to reach out to him and show him that there's a there's a different way to go forward, which was what kind of happened to me when I got th- therapy. Um, yeah, um, if only the guy just talked to someone, but I I was trying to make him likable. Because um, I've always um, going back to what I said when I was thinking, of, I was seriously thinking about attacking uh, this horrible person who stumbled out in front of my car, and um, and no one would have seen it coming, and, be- and no one would have seen it coming because I was such um, like a, like I've I haven't I've always found it easy to make friends, and people generally generally like me. I'm very you know polite and and, <laughs> and all that, and um, so I, I wanted to um, show that you know like a killer isn't necessarily like a just. Jason's not evil but how it's evil and how it's partially there to act as um a foil to kind of remind the um the viewer that you know um this is an evil human being jason's a um a, a troubled and um he's dangerous but he he's not evil he's um he, yeah he, he's he's trying his best and he's trying to relate to the world in in a way that um in the only way he knows how but uh, yeah i was i was definitely trying to make him likable not, not so that people would um agree with him so much just so that um oh, like people could bond with, with with him a bit you know it's um i haven't read a lot of books where the main character is someone you you hate like a part of the plot i guess i mean i was writing for me but um it was i wanted um i wanted the main character to be someone i i could li- like and relate to and um you yeah, i was hoping other people would relate to him on certain levels as well and um I, yeah i think i've done a really good job of that
1: from, from the interview, Damon, we've got a, a good insight sort of in, into you and, and your sort of character through the, the book, through Jason, but also through sort of the things that you've talked about. Now, we know that we can buy the books on Amazon, but where can we follow you online? Have you got a website, social media, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so um, the books on Amazon, it's on Kindle as well, but it's also on um, like Kobo, um, Apple iBooks and uh, BookToby eBooks and stuff. Online on my website's dot com. Um, so I'm uh, on Instagram um, at embers of Retribution. Um, that's a bit of a pun uh, to my crime but uh, and you can see a link to my personal instagram from that from that account as well but uh, yeah, so personal website has got mostly um, information about like my novel and promotion and i I, I do a lot of lobbying um, for better rights for prisoners as well like, and yeah, just yeah if you want to see the art it's also mostly on Instagram yeah.
1: That's brilliant. Thanks ever so much, Damien, uh, for, for agreeing to come and talk to us. It's been Very... an
0: absolute pleasure. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. It's, it's been great to be here. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Damien. Absolutely fascinating getting to know Damien, wasn't
1: it? It was. What made me laugh was when you were talking about shouting at the book when the police turned up at the wrong house.
0: I know I was beside myself I was yelling at printed page like that was going to make any difference whatsoever and I'm like rushing the police onto the next phase of the journey that they're meant to be on I was just totally engaged look
1: that really just shows you what sort of a picture it painted for you though because that's the kind of reaction that you would have you'd start shouting at the telly if that happened and that that's a visual it's it's really really good. I'll tell you one of the things that I was was quite sort of taken within the book is the Jess, Thomas, and Jason Ooh, um, yeah. scenario, How which so? which well I thought all three of them were delusional. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Why did you think
0: Thomas was delusional? Because I'm not sure about that one.
1: Right. Well, obviously Jason thinks that he's Jess's boyfriend. Jess thinks Thomas is her boyfriend, and Thomas yeah. just thinks that Jess is a casual sexual encounter when his other sexual encounters are not available
0: that's true she is like third on the list
1: he's deluding himself if he thinks that that's all she is because actually that's not what she's making herself out to be
0: don't you think that jess is a bit of a born victim though she gravitates towards him when it's not a serious relationship they don't live together they're not engaged or anything and he treats her appallingly They don't have anything in common whatsoever. She thinks he's constantly abusing her and he thinks she's enjoying every minute of the relationship. They're not even in the same room mentally.
1: That's why I say they're all delusional. I mean, I thought that Jason was a pretty logical person in his thought process. And I think that that bit with Jess was a little bit out of his character because if he'd have thought logically about that, this, this is what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it. But yet, Why do you think with, it was
0: out of his character?
1: Because this with Jess wasn't it wasn't happening. Mind you, I suppose in the normal run of the mill of things, you just don't go around the streets just shooting random people. Because there was no upset forethought
0: you. in ninety something percent of his victims. They were all yeah. chance murders. Oh, I don't like what this person's doing. The society will be better off without them, and they were gone just like that. There was no forethought. Everything is instantaneous, so I think the fact that he thought he and Jess were an item immediately, I think that's completely in keeping with his character.
1: Seriously, think that you, what, you, what you said about Jason is, is not my thoughts, or it, it doesn't he's matter got this it's...
0: set of rules in his head that don't conform to the norm in any way, shape, or form because of the issues that he has, which again we won't go into, but Jason grew up with lots and lots of issues that influenced him as an adult in the way he lived, the way he dressed, what he did, what he did for work, the way he interacted with people. Absolutely every aspect of his life stemmed from his childhood, all of it, every single bit of it. And his logic was locked on this path and he couldn't get off it at all. And it wasn't until the very end of the book, which had a really suitable ending, I have to say, I won't tell you what it is, but it was really befitting Jason the man and Jason the murderer.
1: See, you said he'd got a warped logic and, and, and whilst it that's is. that's us looking at it from a, a fairly sort of law-abiding way, I bet every single criminal that's out there doesn't think that Jason's got a warped logic. because why, what why? no?
0: Why would you think that?
1: Because he's making plans to make so that he doesn't get caught. And and let's be honest, that's every criminal's dream, isn't it? I don't want to get caught.
0: I think the biggest thing that he plans for is not getting hurt. I don't think it's about getting caught. He's obsessed with armour of all kinds. He dresses like an army guy. He wears the same clothes all of the time. He's like, he like lives in this really tiny bubble of life where... He's dressed a certain way and he does certain things and he has certain actions and he has certain reactions and mixing with people, ordinary people, unordinary people, criminal people, any kind of people, is just abhorrent to his nature, really. It freaks him out because he's not equipped to handle it.
1: No, I know he's not. I tell you one of the things that he thinks about himself that made me quite chuckle to myself is that, that Jason believes he's considerate. Do you
0: not think he is considerate?
1: oh yeah considerate for what let's just bump off a few people kill them that's consideration who's that consideration for
0: well why do you think he thinks he's considerate
1: it was just the
0: are you talking about the way he mixes himself up in situations like he can't hurt us anymore when he's killing somebody because his again it harkens back to his childhood and he thinks he's fixing things
1: That could possibly be, yeah, but he he, he really thinks he's a considerate being. And I think I'm harping back to the sort of Jess, Thomas and Jason thing again.
0: He is considerate in his own way.
1: Yeah, okay. (laughs) I think we'll just agree to differ on that one.
0: He doesn't want Jess to be hurt anymore. That's considerate. He doesn't want drug pushers to be peddling their trash to kids. That's considerate. It's warped, but...
1: Yeah, I don't want drug pushers to peddle drugs to children, but I'm not going to go out there with a, armed with a Kalashnikov and kill them all off, you know. If I have a criticism of the book... Yeah, go on. ...is that I think at some some points of the story would benefit from a little bit more of the author telling us what's going on. That Damien did say that he likes to show how you know, people feel. Yeah, he shows feel. us, he
0: doesn't tell
1: us. Yeah, but I think it, the book maybe would benefit a little bit more from telling...
0: Well, you have so to it, assume some sort of intelligence from your reader
1: Well yeah I know you do I, th- I think that's just me being Am I being a little bit picky But that my, that's just my personal opinion um, It's not fluffy in any way shape or form
0: No if you like dark gritty realism Borderline psychotic
1: <laughs> Borderline
0: Yeah then Bord- you'll absolutely love it <laughs> I mean, if you're going to pick up a book about serial killers, then you expect people to die regularly. It's that kind of book. You don't need a warning for that. It's blazoned all over it. It's why you bought it. But the internal gubbins about the abuse that was running rife underneath the serial killings, then I think that needs a warning.
1: If you pick up a book like this, you expect it to be dark. Mm. You expect it to be really out of the the, the behaviour is is out of the ordinary. The behaviour is psychological, psychotic lunacy uh, that Damien has captured in that book. I think that was pitched right given the plot of the book.
0: Yeah, I will agree with that.
1: I don't like reading about that kind of thing, but the book itself was really good.
0: I think it was an excellent one to choose as a first book of a new season because It's controversial, it's gripping, it's engaging, it's dark, it's got some realism in it. I think it's weirdly relatable even to people that don't live in those circles. One of the aspects of Jason's personality is how he gets on with people or doesn't get on with people.
1: Mm, I suppose that, yeah, I suppose.
0: That's relatable.
1: Yeah, I suppose putting it that way, I don't think I'd ever thought about it from that perspective yeah. What have we got coming up next week?
0: <laughs> what have we got coming up next week? Next week, we have got Tina Marie and One Moonlit Night. I think it's part of a trilogy. It's the first book of a trilogy, isn't
1: it? I believe so. I've actually, I have actually read it, so I'm not going to give anything away until next week. So I have actually read that book.
0: Ooh, has it got a synopsis?
1: Um, yeah, there, I do believe there's a synopsis on Amazon. I'm not telling you anything until you've read it. What? nothing oh,
0: at all. Else, everybody wants to know no god you're mean
1: i'm not mean telling not- you you
0: and jason you're like this <laughs> well thank you again for this week thank you for joining us to listen <laughs> and thank you to damien linane for joining us for an absolutely fantastic interview and even thank you april berry and being my yeah. royal pain in the backside, as <laughs> <manageable>. usual.
1: <laughs> yeah, looking forward to next week's interview with Tina. It'll be quite interesting as well. Two different books, two different authors.
0: Chalk and cheese, isn't it?
1: Absolutely chalk and cheese. Right, so we'll see you next week then.
0: Bye. We have been Daisy Ray
1: and April Berry.
0: Come share your opinions about the podcast, our authors, and their books on Instagram and Facebook at Bear Books Podcast or Twitter. At Bear Books Pod One.
1: Submit your book for a possible future review to submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. Or if you've got any queries or any comments, email them to contact us at bearbooks.co.uk.
0: Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can find him on Instagram at dadnap.mp3.
1: And if you like what we do here, subscribe and share.
0: Thanks for listening.